Welcome to today's episode of the Auburn Daily Show and or podcast. I want to thank everybody out there for checking us out for another day and appreciate your patience for a little bit more of an erratic uh, schedule for holiday week. I'd also kind of mentioned last episode, I've been under the weather, I had some food poisoning, maybe you hear my voice, we got some crazy sinus stuff going on, but regardless for the people, the show will go on no matter what. We are back with our Reoccurring show guest, Auburn's man of mystery, the fighter of all hot takes. As always, we have Pat Barnes on here. And before we get too far into it, because this is the most topical of show sponsors ever, tell me after last weekend, Pat, how bad did you need a rage room? You know, I really could have used one. Uh, I don't. I don't know if rage room. I don't know if I really needed a rage room. But I needed some place to go just to decompress for probably about 24 hours and be alone in my thoughts. That's how I respond to trauma. But if I did have violent response to trauma, I would need a rage room bed. There's probably some people who did. And there's probably, I, I would be shocked if there wasn't a handful of Auburn fans that broke some household items, whether those be pool sticks, t- televisions, stuff in the kitchen. I mean, whatever, so, something, something got smashed somewhere within the Auburn nation. I would agree that there was there was high demand for the rage room is, is would be my guess this past Sunday. High demand. So we want to tell everybody out there if you still got some if that if that New Mexico State game is still just on you hard and I'm not gonna lie it's kind of on me hard like I'm not over it. I, you go just go if you're in the Auburn Opelika area just Google Opelika rage room. Go pay them a visit. It's a great time to do it. If you're in the Birmingham area, have no fear. There is a second location up there, the Birmingham Rage Room. They can also help you out. Rather it be for the New Mexico State game, maybe it could be impending doom for the Iron Bowl. Maybe you just want to book a set. Maybe you just want to hedge your bets and book a session for Sunday because of what might happen for this Iron Bowl. Not a bad idea. They do have a 24 hour cancellation policy. They don't want me to mention that. So you could totally do that. You win the Iron Bowl, say, hey, I'm canceling my session, Auburn won. If not, it's already there waiting for you. But all jokes aside, we want to do thank them for being an awesome show sponsor for us. And like I said, if you're in either of those two areas, make sure to go check them out. Now, Pat, we already kind of teased it with our ad read. We got to talk about, and you haven't given your thoughts on it yet, New Mexico State. Do I have to? You got, you got something to say, and the people need to hear it. I have never been shook after a loss like I was after this last loss. And I think that's for multiple reasons. Obviously, our head coach is a guy I believe in. I still believe in him, but I'd be lying if I if I said that wasn't a little bit affected after this past weekend. And I had just gotten so used to beating group. I mean, when's the last time we had lost to a group of five team? I think, I think it it's was been the, years. I think it was Southern Miss. Yeah. And, and I didn't I, like – like, I don't know if we were even alive or if we were, we were like literally a year old, if that. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't paying attention to football. I know that because that <laughs> would suck out to me. You couldn't, because you couldn't walk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see here. I believe, I know they'd gotten Southern Miss, but one of the, I know one of the losses they had to Southern Miss was like literally Brett Favre. Yeah, that was it. It was Brett Favre that we so, lost to. So it's like, you could put an asterisk by that because it's like, okay, you lost to a future Hall of Famer Super Bowl winning quarterback. So they lost in no- October 5th, 91, 9 to 10. And then they right. lost in 19, 
90 12 to 3. So literally both of those games were by one point. It was the end of Pat Dye's time at Auburn. And once again, they were one point, not three touchdowns. Even worse than losing to New Mexico State is the fact that we got our ass absolutely beat by New Mexico State, which is still the most shocking part of all this to me, was that how bad we got whooped on the line of scrimmages on both sides of the field. So I, I'm pretty affected by it. Uh, how, how affected by it are you? It sound, sounds like you're pretty messed up by it too. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those deals where it was just – and I know we were texting about this because they did the time possession thing, new clock rules. They kept the ball the entirety of the first quarter. Auburn had one three and out, and then Auburn got the ball back with like a minute left in the first quarter. So they essentially had the ball, I want to say, probably – I'm just spitballing off the top of my head here – at least 12 minutes of that first quarter, maybe yeah. 11 best-case scenario – so Auburn essentially didn't have a chance to even get the ball to start the game, and they might have even had a just untimely penalty or something too. That that was another thing too. It wasn't just like the penalties because they both they both had seventy five yards. So on paper, now that's not including the no calls. We can get into that, but the the deal there was they just never got in any sort of rhythm. And I thought after that little fight debacle of them, the quarterback throwing throwing, I was like, that's going to light him up. I, that's going to wake him thing. up. I told my wife as soon as that happened, I was like, well, that's game right there. They shouldn't have done that. Shocked, yeah. shocked that we did not respond to that like I thought we would. Yeah, I thought – because, I mean, sometimes these games get you sleeping in time. It, it just is what it is. But it's it, – they, they at no point during that game woke up. The only players I thought gave any I, – I said this in my solo recap episode, so if you heard that, I'm going to retap this. If you haven't heard that, this is my take on it. I genuinely believe the only players that I really felt like were giving conceded effort consistently through the game were Keontae Scott, Peyton Thorne, and I'll even give a little asterisk for Keldrick Falk. Yeah. But outside of them, outside of them, and this is the analogy that I said, and I'm going to get with it, it it felt like everybody was just running with with peanut butter in their shoes. Rivaldo Rivaldo had a nice game there, too. That's true. Rivaldo did make some plays, yeah. But I mean, you know, but also to a tight end, he can only make plays when he's getting the ball. Right. So outside so, of those four, I agree. I, nobody stuck out to me saying, hey, this guy's trying to win this football game. <laughs> and especially on the defensive side. Mm. And that was the mm. worst because that had not really been a issue with Auburn consistently, at least yeah. not effort wise. And and it was just, it was two things too. It was one, like I said, just very untimely penalties for Auburn or no calls. Like I said, that, that pass with, with VAR, I don't know how in the world that was not called a pass interference. That's crazy. I was shooting in that end zone. So I was pretty much, I had the right angle of that. And I mean, the guy extended two arms on his back and like pushed forward and VAR falls as the ball is coming their way, there are two refs standing there and nothing. That was – It's one of the was, most poorly ref games I've ever seen. And it, and it was, kind of went both ways, but it seemed like – and I know that I think they had more penalties and penalty yards, but it felt like the penalties they were giving and not giving to us were of greater impact. And maybe that's just me being an Auburn fan and I'm biased. I think so too because, I mean, they, the penalty yardage was both 75, but the deal with the fact that – like I said, that missed pass interference call. And then, of course, the fumble. And, and it's like, oh, we blew this play dead. Like, 
I mean, that was the earliest whistle you're yeah. ever going to see on the entire planet. And it was just like, okay, we just blew this play dead just because, even though it was clearly a fumble, there's a ref sitting right there. It was wild how that ended up happening. And then the fake punt, they essentially just let the guy walk in there. Uh, it, it, it was yeah. it, it was crazy. And then, too, when New Mexico State is when they do get penalties and they're in a long down situation, just Auburn let him get it. Yeah. All right, it's third and 18. Oh, here, he got it, <laughs> whatever it was. And then their receivers are over here getting these just like just highlight reel Randy Moss, like big toe hicking, flicking a blade of grass and going out the sideline. It was like they got multiple of those type catches. It was like that was defended and like the guy just made these insane plays on it. And then no one for Auburn could remotely. There wasn't, aside from the Rivaldo catch for the touchdown, I, I can't really think of any big or even medium play Auburn really made this game. No, I agree. And I guess the, the bigger issue here, probably something that kind of opened my eyes a little bit, was – and I never was a big believer in the uh, freeze blows games. He should win narrative, frankly, because he was at Ole Miss the whole time. And I just – maybe I'm wrong for thinking this. I think Ole Miss is a lesser program. And everybody always pointed back to that Memphis game in 2015. Well, people don't remember that. That Memphis team was a top-10 team for a long time. Um, and I think we were their only loss in the season, if I remember correctly. Maybe they had, maybe they had another loss in there. But uh, this, was the, this is the first time I, I've truly felt, hey, he may have an issue getting his team up for a game that's – truly should be low stakes like that game was. Well, there was a year, I think in 2016 maybe, I think they uh, – 2015 Memphis was 9-4. and four. Hmm, I thought they were better than that. They, Not, they were 9-4. They were and four. They were a top 25 team for a lot of that year. They, they weren't a bad team. I mean, we, we beat them in that bowl game, but we were better in our record – if we had a better quarterback – we would have had a better record than we did with a better quarterback situation. So. They – Memphis lost to, and this is the end of the season. I don't know if they had an injury or something here, but they lost to Navy, Houston, Temple, beat SMU, then of course Auburn. So, okay, but yeah, that that was the deal there. But I, I believe in 2016, if memory serves, let me see if I can look this up real quick. We're getting too much time. Well, they were a Ole five Miss, seven team in 2016 as well. It's not like Ole Miss was a good team. But what I'm trying to get at there is kind of that that narrative of I believe they beat Georgia that year. They did, and then they end up losing to Vanderbilt. Yeah, but you know what Georgia's record was that year? Seven and five, so they weren't a great team. Oh, right. They were still they were ranked number 12 at the time. But, but point being, the the principle there of – I mean, you could even say they beat a decent A&M team. It was number 10. But <clears throat> Hugh Freeze is – there is some tendency, and there's a few of them even at Liberty you can kind of maybe argue. It's a little different case study there. Of They've got no business – showing that you can consistently beat teams that are at your level or above your level. I mean, even, even, even you could look at 2016, they still, they, they scored the Alabama game that year was 43 to 48. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no denying. This is all semantics at this point. Cause there's no denying after Saturday that he's got an issue with it. And that has yeah. to be, that has to be fixed immediately. I, that Losing to a team that were 20 point favorites over in Jordan hair can never happen again. hundred percent, especially group of five or anything. And even this Georgia Southern that year in 2016, Hugh Freeze. I mean, that was a 10 point game. That was 37 to 27. I would be shocked to say that wasn't quite a larger spread than that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, and you're right. I don't know what the detail, what there is to that. I don't know if it was 
with the players, the assistants. There was a, hey, we got to ride this recruiting wave for the past three weeks we've had. Something happened. Because, like I said, that wasn't like a close, oh, they made a 60-yard field goal with two seconds left to win. the. It, it was No, a, we got wore out. We got wore out. Yeah. And my thing about it is, what if you switch Arkansas and the New Mexico State game? Everything about the games. Like we How beat do you feel about that? New Mexico State. How you beat Arkansas exactly, like literally everything plays out 10. exactly the same. And then you lose to Arkansas how you lost to New Mexico State. I'd probably feel, I don't know, I, I kind of feel differently about it. Um, I think we beat New Mexico State nine out of ten times to play that game. I would agree with that. So it doesn't affect – the loss in Mexico State doesn't affect me in the sense that, hey, this team is worse than I thought. It affects me in the sense that I am worried in future seasons if Freeze takes his foot off the gas against a lesser opponent again. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it really changes my feelings one way or the other, but it does give me pause for concern in the future when we're playing a team we should beat, I would say. Because here's going to be the deal for Hugh Freeze and what has to happen with Auburn and, and what the whole post-Gus letting go deal was is certain things have to happen to get over the hump. And you saw this even going back with Tuberville. You saw this with Gus a handful of times. And Harson never even got a chance to get there. But you have, and this is the success that Saban has had. This is the success Kirby has had. And really, I'd say the only slip up Kirby's had is the 2019 South Carolina game. Yeah. But you beat teams. If you always beat teams you are supposed to beat, you have an incredibly high floor. Right. And the problem is, is you have years where you are in the driver's seat for a strong postseason, and then you lose to a team you had no business losing to, and it derails the entire thing. Well, that's what that thing. That's what everybody was kind of worried about too. Was that Freeze was a lot like Tuberville in that way because Tuberville had a tendency to do this too. He'd always beat teams he shouldn't have beaten and lose the ones he shouldn't have. Oh yeah, right. And but Gus is the opposite. You know, Gus had that rock solid six seven win floor. He was always going to beat the teams that we had more talent than because Gus completely relied on execution. And his his players being more talented than the guys across from him. So when we would play the Ole Miss, Mississippi State's, Arkansas's of the world, we would win almost every time. When we played Bama, Georgia, LSU, we would lose almost every time. We've got Freeze's history now looks to be at opposite. It's it's on him to change that narrative going forward. Yeah, and there's definitely some soul searching there for sure. So let's kind of keep rolling with this conversation to fit with the theme of the episode here. With what happened in New Mexico State, and I, I, I kind of said, and I, I teased a little bit with the Arkansas switch, because I think that if you had swapped those, I, I can't decide if I would feel better or worse. Like, oh, uh, we lost to Arkansas team, but we beat up on New Mexico State, or we beat the brakes off Arkansas, lost this team. It's almost like we're a better team that was just caught sleeping, or we performed kind of how we thought. And, and I don't know, because I think one has a scarier path than the other. I think where I agree with that, but I also think the one that has a scarier path is more easily fixed, if that makes sense. Right. No, I agree. And that's kind of where I'm trying to take this here is, is like, if you can write the ship, you've shown that, hey, we're better than this. We were just caught sleeping. We're awake now. We're back. Or it is 
there is something chronic causing this problem and who knows, maybe it's players checked out. Maybe it was, you know, whatever, whatever, insert conspiracy theory. But if something is generally going on, then is there a bigger thing behind the scenes that we don't know about that is that slipped out in a horrific moment that will forever kind of mar it. And we can hope not. I mean, we, we hope that it's not that, but let's kind of go into the domino effect of this. So what happened in Mexico state did happen. And there is pretty much, it's inexcusable. There's not a, there's not an excuse. There's not a reason. This is generally the healthiest this team has been all year. Yeah. And that happened. Well, you took all the wind out of your sails going to the Iron Bowl. <clears throat> Unless you have the crazy rat poison effect of Alabama, like this team lost in Mexico State, we're going to whoop them up. And you kind of do, you know, you have a reversal effect of what happened there, which would be hilarious. I mean, that would be just incredible narrative. But let's keep it, let's keep it grounded in reality here. The Iron Bowl is a 15 point spread as of right now. Don't think it's going to be looking fantastic for Auburn. Oh, I think we're covering. Okay. See, I just I, I I think it's way too early. I need to see Saturday before I say this took the wind out of our sails, because I think it's easily explainable to that team. Hey, you got you. I was sleeping. We were all sleeping. You're better than this. So see, I need to I see think- how they respond Saturday before I can say this took all the wind out of our sails. For me, what I'm nervous, the wind I'm talking about, it's not even less the players, but that raucous environment that the fans would have. Because if they went into this with a four-game win streak with a just break speed all to Mexico State, there's a lot of fans that are going to be in there, and they're going to be booging hard, and they're going to be screaming and yelling and hooting and hollering, thinking they're going to beat Alabama. I bet it's still loud, man. Remember 2021, we were on a two, three-game losing streak, losing games we shouldn't have, and it was crazy in there still. I can hope so. And I was at that game and it, and it was, and I hope that that kind of energy comes. I just feel like you really roll the dice of it's like you poured a, poured a glass of water on a campfire. Is it going to hold or is it going to start simmering out? I hope it does, but I, it's just, it's a, it's a dangerous risk that was taken. But anyway, if they can do it, that is going to be one of the biggest factors. If you, cause Milro has not really played in a hostile and way environment yet. I mean, Alabama has been very fortunate that their best games were at home. So that's kind of something that hasn't really been tested. I think the, the worst game they've had was A&M. And yeah, that's correct. You know, like they haven't really had a tough, tough and way environment. It just, that always, it always seems to happen for Alabama. Lucky them. The, the 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 time they do play a play a team away, they either got an injury or it's like a super down year for them. So, you know, here we are. So yeah, I mean, Mississippi State not exactly a hostile environment away. A and M can be, and that was still a less than one score game. And then woo, yeah. Kentucky. So, can that environment throw off what they're trying to do? Can it be loud? Can they do the thing early? Maybe so, and I think that crowd energy, not only one to get in Alabama's head and distract the calls and signals that they're trying to do, but maybe just maybe hype Auburn up a little bit. If that can happen, then yeah, I think they could cover the spread, absolutely. But let's just say for conversation's sake, if this season kind of snowballs poorly, and we'll just say they lose by about the spread, we'll say two touchdowns. You what happened in New Mexico State? Lose by two touchdowns. You're probably playing in like a Birmingham esque bowl again. They say it's gonna be better than that. Okay, what do you say? Music City Bowl? 
the Music City and Texas Bowl were the two I'm seeing the most. Do they have any projected opponents for any of these yet? Yeah, Music City was Northwestern, who we would beat like a drum if we played them. And then uh, Texas Bowl was against Oklahoma, which we would get beat like a drum. Okay. So, so yeah, but it's not it's not going to be Birmingham. <laughs> I think it's almost surely not going to be the Birmingham Bowl. Well, so <laughs> a few things there. Uh, do we think how the season could end puts more pressure? Assuming, like I said, now if you beat Alabama, all bets are off. It just will be that way. But if it's say it's about a two touchdown loss to Alabama, just to keep it fair with Vegas, do we think that this puts a little bit more pressure on Hugh Freeze going into year two for on the field performance? Who I guess my question is, what pressure are you talking about? Because I don't know. For the people that matter in recruiting, no, I do not think that change. Even if we lost both these, even if we lost the Iron Bowl as, as predicted by 15 points, even if we lost the bowl game, I don't think the people calling the shots and I don't think recruiting is going to be affected by it. Now, I know you probably feel differently about that, um, but I don't think either one of those things are going to be affected. Now, fans on the, on the Internet may be upset. Well, I, but, I'm just trying to get at here, and just for the, the sake of conversation, is is there some ill will? Does the bar have to be does the bar have to be raising, hey, even by the most graceful of realistic standards, this year was you kind of fell short. And it fell short in a bad way, especially with this game. We're gonna it would, need to it would not have fallen more. short had they not lost this past game. It, and I understand that's a huge a huge factor. It's a huge change from projected. But like I said, I think you can almost explain it like, hey, we were caught sleeping. It wasn't because they were a better team. It's not something we can't dig up, dig out of easily. We have to change how we prepare for these games. That is so something I, that can be done. So I think it goes two ways here. And this is just my opinion on for this year, kind of rolling next year. I think if you obviously beat Alabama, all best are off. If you play very competitively with Alabama and keep it within the spread, or even Georgia, keep it a one-score game, and or you come out and you win pretty handily a bowl game, I think it does erase that just because from the perception, it looks like, all right, they had a step back, but they move forward. Erase from but, who, though? Who are you talking about? Erase, er, it erases what from who? Just the perception of this loss. The, the, yeah, but the, what you got to understand is that the percept this loss doesn't matter to the people in charge that are going to make this decision unless he does it again. Right. But, but what I'm trying to get at though, is Auburn fans have, I think a, and even, even power brokers, you could say have a little bit of a, a, a pendulum problem to where they jump from extremes way too fast. It is. We're overly optimistic about everything. Everything's fine to the house is burning. I feel like there's not quite a happy middle ground. And maybe that's just my opinion on it. And I said this is a, a group discussion. It's I think this is, a different, this is a different Auburn than what we've had the last 15 years. That's, and we can, I think that's what it comes down to. And we can hope so. Because, I mean, I guess my what I don't want to see happen is everybody be like, oh, we're fine. It's not a problem at all. This is all good. And then a little something happens, and then it's just like, the alarm goes off and it's like is there not a is there not a middle ground that folks can take of like hey this is the this is this is kind of the the standard we need to get there was a slight setback drop a gear a little bit and play catch up 
Because I, I just have a hard time believing. I, and this is, like I said, I know we differ on opinion here. Of just I don't like the idea of, hey, we wrote the year off. Hey, this doesn't matter. None of it matters. I think it matters. Now, you, it, the debate to be can to what extent and what has to be done to write it. But I think because of this. Now, I, I will say this. If it goes to, obviously, New Mexico State, let's say it's a bad loss to an Iron Bolt and another stupid bowl loss, I think that definitely throttles up, hey, the bar has to be risen for year two because of where it fell short from year one. What, where I disagree with that is I think the results of this year mattered to the effect that it went, went to us with that we did what we needed to do recruiting. Because the only way we're getting back to what Auburn should be is by recruiting effectively. And all signs right now point to that loss had zero effect on any of that. Now, I will agree with that. Now, let's get, let's get to this here, though, where I think it also where it also factors in the year two. Let's say they absolutely hit it out of the water with recruiting high school kids and or bringing in like very highly touted portal guys. I think that even puts more pressure because it's like, okay, now it's, excuse me, it's your guys in there. It is more talented guys than have been there. So the whole, oh, uh, we don't have the talent deal. And yes, it will have to compound. And I'm not saying it's in the end-all, be-all in year two. But I think by the time year two and or three comes, there's going to have to start being, and I don't know exactly what that bar is, and that could be something to be talked about for the rest of the offseason. But I think there's going to have to be some some more tangible results before we just sit there and say, like, you know, what's the deal here? Because it's very looking like there's going to be a lot of coaching turnover with assistants, very likely Philip Montgomery, I'm I don't I'm sure Roberts is fine. I'm not I think everybody kind of dropped the ball on that one. I wouldn't really be kind of clamoring for his job until unless this started to be the defensive thing continue to happen. And one game is just one game. But I think I think you may be reading a little bit too much into what this loss means. I am not reading it. I'm I'm playing kind of the what if game here. I'm not reading into yeah, anything. There's so, we have there's like so many steps you have to reach in order to get to the point where you're talking about right now. Right, right. I'm saying I'm kind of playing. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not saying oh this will happen. I'm just saying if these things do happen, for conversation's sake, then you got the issue. If it is like I said, oh the Iron Bowl goes this way, or you win a good bowl game, then I do think you kind of. Yes, it will always be a black mark historically, but I think it's kind of short-term and medium-term impact. It don't have to worry about The only issue this loss would ever have is it will just be made fun of down the road, kind of like La Monroe was for Alabama. Right. I, and I said this the other day on another episode, and I'm going to repeat it here. I don't think that you could con- – I, I think it's silly to compare this, to the, and I've said this, and I've said this to the La Monroe loss. Because Saban gets the benefit of that doubt. Because one, Saban already had a national championship. And two, Saban won a national championship two years later. So, yes, mm-hmm. in hindsight, you can say that. But you could also say this is the Chad Morris North Texas loss. Like, Hugh Freeze has to do the right things. He has to respond to this loss in a big way to actually have that comparison to the Lum Monroe loss. It's like, hey, we were a better team with a better coaching and a better staff versus like, oh, it was a Chad Morris loss. It's just a bad coach. Now, I'm not saying he is Chad Morris. I'm not saying he's Nick Saban. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle here. The good news think- is that Freeze has nine years of history to show what type of coach he is, though. This isn't somebody that we're taking a gamble on. It's like we don't know what this guy's going to be. Right, and I think what he has to do here is he has to respond and say, hey, I am not only what I had been at my best, but I'm working to be better. And I, I still think there is more. He's got to show that now. Yeah, we've seen it in recruiting. 
but he but would have deal, had to do that anyway. Like we we would have had to improve next year anyway. A hundred percent. But I think there's a little bit more heat. You could debate how much more this that or another, but I think there should be a little bit more eyes on saying, "Hey, like this." And as you said it earlier, this cannot happen again. I see. I don't think it becomes an issue unless we have another loss like this in the future. If we have another loss like this in the future, that's when this becomes an issue, I think. Right. And, and it was said, and I forget exactly who said it, but this was Hughes kind of get-out-of-jail-free card. You you kind of, you hey, it was your, your beginning here. It's kind of your mulligan. I don't think anybody's realistically should be holding this, and kind of like, like I said, unless just everything implodes really – minus just it being a laughing point for a long time, it's probably not going to really be an issue, especially if this team gets up and shows what they should do against Alabama. But I do think you got to really come out next season, or even if you got a bowl team that, like you said, a Northwestern, that you should absolutely beat the brakes off of and just say, hey, never again, and we're going to double the spread of what we should beat somebody to kind of prove that. We're going to beat up – we're going to – I mean, do what you did against Arkansas – to kind of against somebody else and say, hey, and I think Pablo had mentioned this point on um Slander U podcast he was doing. And I mean this is just the most Java thing ever. And I'm kind of butchering the the exact stat line of it. I'm kind of doing this from memory, but it's basically like I think it was like since like nineteen eighty or seventy nine, there has never been a team that has like won by such a great margin on a spread to lose by such a great margin on the spread like week to week ever. That's what Which happens like, with a, a thin a thin team with not a ton of talent who's improving and they, they improved at a rapid pace and they took a game off, I think. I, I think this is a function of the lack of talent on the roster more than anything else. Well, yeah, and I mean, it also, too, I mean, we just got to look at there. I mean, there's like a point of lack of leadership. Yeah, that's it. Somebody didn't – I mean, a lot of people, and Jason Jones even mentioned on Zach Blackerby's podcast, the Locked on Auburn, when – uh, he interviewed him. I mean, Jason was just like, I thought from a, he's like, you know, there are a lot of people to kind of jump to play the coaches, but he's like, from a scheme standpoint, he's like, I think we called it perfectly. He's like, I don't know anything else that the coaches could have done. He's like, I wouldn't have called anything any different. Yeah. So that to me also goes to confirm the fact that the players were sleeping. It wasn't like, uh, why are we blitzing this guy or why are we in this coverage for what they're doing here? Like, you know, I think Jason, I think it's safe to say Jason Jones probably knows a fair amount about football scheme at this level now. <laughs> I do I do disagree with Jason Jones that I, I think I may have seen the worst defensive call I've ever seen in my life this past weekend from from Ron, Ron Roberts on that third and long that was a touchdown. <laughs> Which one? The safety <laughs> blitz. The safety blitz where the guy just walks right into the end zone where the safety should have been on like third and 19. It was third and goal, but they had to go 19 yards. Well, that was another issue too was they – why could that line – not get any pressure to where you had to bring in safeties constantly. I mean, they're doing that the whole game. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just saying just that gonna... I, I, my point of that was, I believe that he said that I'm, I'm glad that he's taking ownership as a player, but it wasn't like a perfectly called game. Like that, that call on its own was, was quite possibly the worst defensive call I've ever seen a coach make. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of wonder too, if you're a coach and you're sitting there and you're looking to just like, do you, at what point do you just throw your hands up and just be like, nothing's going to work here. Because, I mean, you're coaching in the pads. Like, they're not out there playing. I mean, just like, you know, and obviously he's in the booth, so he can't really get down there and yell at him. But I don't know. I mean, that, that had to have been just one of the most fever dream-esque moments for that whole staff 
to deal well, with. Well, I know I was. I don't know how Marcus Harris can go from just being a bull in a china shop against Georgia, collapsing the entire side of their line to get zero pressure. I mean, that's all effort at the end of the day. Okay, so do you, let's let's take this angle of it. Do you take this loss to get Marcus Harris to come back next year? I think he's gone regardless. But I mean, no. if it if it meant losing this to bring Marcus Harris back next year, no, I would rather beat in New Mexico State. Than... <laughs> That's not not that worth it. Yeah, no. Uh, who knows? I mean, maybe there'd be. I, I agree with you. I think he's probably gonna be 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 gone there. But yeah, that's a. I hope and he that's comes wild, back. Yeah, they'll be all for it. But that that is the wild part that there's not a. It wasn't like it was a player position group. I mean, it really was a full team effort and. I hope that they do some soul searching. I hope they woke up and I've heard the narrative and I don't want to bug hard enough to believe this, but I will just state it. Maybe this was the best thing for them going into the iron bowl. Maybe they can actually respond from this. Who knows? I mean, in 2014, you had the butt fumble that took the wind out of the sails and they played their, they played their hard out against Alabama. That 2014 iron bowl. So we'll see how they respond. And then obviously we'll see how the coaching staff does and everything that they can shake and bake and make up for everything and get the get the wheel spinning in the right direction for year two. Pat, do you have any other closing thoughts about uh, kind of what this is gonna, what we think this is gonna look like for Auburn bouncing back from this loss going forward? I would say my only thoughts are it was it was a devastating loss from a fan's perspective. There's zero doubt about that. We had no business losing that game. It doesn't look like it affected recruiting, which is the most important thing going this year. Everything built, everything that we – the most, the primary objective of this year was to show enough to be able to land the players that we needed to land to be a successful program in the future. Mm-hmm. Looks like we're still on track for that. So, bullet dodge there. That type of loss can never happen again. Well, that's, that's my like- final thoughts on it. That's it. The the get out of jail free card has been used. I think you continue to business. You wake the team up. You do what you should have done all along with Alabama. Whatever bowl you get in, absolutely take care of business. Kill it with early signing day. Kill it in the portal. And then I think this is going to be a distant memory. And if Auburn really, whatever the bar is, over exceeds it for year two, then I think you have got insane momentum rolling into year three, assuming that this 2025 recruiting continues on the momentum that 2024 is, and they can close all those things strong. So let's hope that's what they do. That is what we're hoping for and cheering for here. The Auburn Daily Show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Once again, we will be off tomorrow for Thanksgiving. We'll be back Friday with our guy, Andrew Stefaniak, probably talking a little bit more Iron Bowl there. And then we are all crossing our fingers, hoping that we're going to have an awesome Iron Bowl post-game show. That's included with me. It's your host, Alex, better known on the socials at Auburn Memes. That is where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram or X. I think I call it X now. Want to thank Pat Barnes. Like I said, he's got his mask on. You don't know where to find Pat Barnes. If you want to find him, say something really stupid out there, and maybe he'll find you. That's going to conclude us today. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be right back at you with our episode on Friday.